0: Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with five time All Star and World Series champ Lou Whitaker. All right, let's do this. And now, here's Here's your your host, Brett Boone. Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast.
1: I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by a five-time All-Star World Series champion and was named the AL Rookie of the Year in 1978. Ladies and gentlemen, Lou Whitaker. Lou, thanks for coming on the program.
2: Thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me.
1: Get it out of the way early. Who, who hung the, the sweet Lou on you now you're the you're the second sweet Lou I've had on the podcast I had my old skipper Lou Pinella and we used to call him yeah. sweet Lou there's only two sweet Lous I know and you're the other one who gave you the name
2: well there are many sweet Lous out there you remember a guy who used to play with Texas Ranger his name was sweet Lou I forget his last name right off the bat but oh it's all started in the minor leagues uh, Brett one day the uh, uh, one of the uh, management uh people come by and and were asking me uh this question, can we call you Sweet Lou Whitaker? And you know, I look around to myself and like, yeah, sure, go ahead, you know, and you know, it could have been from some of the, you know, ball players that we played with back in those days in the minor leagues. They could have been calling me Sweet Lou, you know, but I never really paid any attention to it. But then, after they wanted me to have this uh nickname uh and it's it's been that way ever ever since Brett.
1: And I've always known it. And I'm, I'm a little I came I came along a little later than you. You were uh, finishing up your career and I was a young player coming in the game, but I always knew you. I grew up watching you and I always knew that's sweet Lou. So when I come play in the early 90s is the first time I, I got to play in Detroit and you and Tram turning it. We're gonna get we're gonna get to a lot of that as the as the show goes on but I want to talk about your childhood. You were born in Brooklyn, New York. You weren't there for long. You end up going, uh, you and your family moving to Martinsville, Virginia, and just give the audience a little, a little snapshot, a young Lou Whitaker growing up. What was that like? What was your childhood like?
2: Oh man, that's a very interesting question. I mean, I had a lot of fun as a kid. We had a lot of kids in our neighborhood and that's all we did every day. We would make up some sort of game. I mean, we could turn anything into a game of competition. And so we played football, basketball, baseball. We played horseshoes with the um with the steel uh uh shoes or you know, we my grandmother used to have us before we go play uh, we had wood stoves, so someone would bring wood and dump it in the yard, and we had to put it under the porch. And so, as we're putting up putting the wood up, by the end of the day, we've taken out about what two pieces of wood. They're going to be the pegs, and then each of us got two pieces of wood in a hand, and those are our horseshoes. And we play. Uh, I mean, that that was the most fun uh, time in the world. And, uh, but we would play, uh, baseball, you know, with the little rubber ball back in those days in the middle, middle of the street, what Willie Mays would call a uh, stick ball. And we would play with any ball that we could find a rubber ball. One of those, uh, coated baseballs, you know, where it bounced once, bounce twice. And then it gave you that quick jump. We would go get us a rubber ball and play with, you know, broom handles and whatever. But uh, I lived in a baseball neighborhood, English Field back in the day, and uh, had some great ball players growing up. I mean, that's where I learned my game from. But my one of my uncles and uh, uh, cousins, I mean, I thought they were two of the best uh, players, you know, out there on that Connie Mac team. So we would go out there, and if they break a baseball bat, that was going to be our bat. You know, we would either tape it up or go home, put nails in it, Tape it up, but we're gonna use that bat, and we're gonna have some fun and that's that's pretty much our uh 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 you know childhood i mean I mean I give credit to all these young kids that I grew up with I'm gonna name some of them you know as we go through the show, so if any of them out there listening or one day here and say, Oh, Lou didn't mention my name. Hey, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, about I'm, I'm thinking about you because I maybe can't think of, you know, 50 people. So we're going to start off with a few that I grew up with, uh, Jojo Holt and, uh, Buford Harrison. Those two, you know, we grew up in the same age. So, you know, we play baseball together from little league and, and of course in the neighborhood every day, all the way through high school. And, uh, we had so many, so many people, uh, you know, we had uh, guys that I learned from Zip Martin and Carter Martin, you know, who taught me how to pitch and, you know, they would be catchers. say, put the ball here and there, you know, and I mean, I could, you know, I could hit that little mitt and whatever, little bit of thing now, you know, you know, I, mean, I was always the, the smallest on the team, but boy, I had some fire in my game. I wasn't going to hit any home runs. I wasn't going to, you know, drive the ball in the gaps or, you know, to the uh, you know, to the fence in the gap, but I was going to hit some line drives in those gaps and, you know, I was going to get me some triples because I could run a little bit. But Brad, I'm sure you you could uh, you know, just just reminisce over the years of just growing up as a kid. And I mean, just talking about my brother David uh friends, Jody Carter, very comp- competitive person, Kim Carter, uh Scotty uh, uh, uh Carter, uh I mean just uh, 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 Raymond Harrison uh, uh you know the Belchers you know was quite a few of the Belcher uh, boys they you competitive uh uh, we're going to get to some more as we go through the day because my excitement just runs over right now. And, you know, as I say, these uh, young men were really who were behind my, I'm going to call my excellent play because they knew how to play the game. We played every day from sun up to sundown, and we just had fun. As kids, you know, we'd r- rip and run all over the neighborhood. We just stayed busy. We wasn't kids who spent time in the house in those days. You know, you got outside, you did something outside. You know, always outside playing and having fun. So even at night, we'd play the little, you know, street games. You know, red light and and hopscotch or uh, uh, s- some of these other games that we used to play. But uh we could uh, come up with games all the time uh just 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 having fun so uh we'll talk a little bit more uh, more about uh, childhood as we go along Brett
1: I think that's cool because I, you know, probably to nausea, you know, I I do so many of these shows and the childhood of of the guests always gets brought up. And I'm always, you know, I'm always jumping on top going, I love my childhood, too. And and this brings back the memories. It's it was a simpler time. And you mentioned we we didn't we didn't have the computers. We weren't sitting in our room, you know, playing these games all the time. I mean, we had our games, but it was it was all about being outdoor. And, and when mom and dad called or, or, you know, they're telling you, you got to come in for dinner. Oh, uh, is that? Oh, come on. You know, you wanted to keep playing, whatever it was. You talk about stickball. It was anything for me as well. It was it was wiffle ball. It was two hand touch. It was it was hockey in the middle of the streets. It was riding bikes and, and jumping stuff. We shouldn't have jumped. <laughs> this was long before helmets and all that. But you're right. It was a simpler time. It's how we learned. You know, we got beat up out there a little bit sometimes. But but that kind of taught us life lessons. And And yeah. to hear you talk, I can Tell there's a lot of joy, and those those names you're bringing up they they were big influences on you, and they shaped who Lou Whitaker became. You know, as as your professional career uh, took off, but but it's pretty cool hearing those stories. Do you have a favorite team? Do you have a favorite player? Was it always baseball, or did, or did you play other sports? You know, from a
2: well, you know I played football, and I was running back. You know, I mean I could throw football as far as anybody. I mean I always had skills for throwing and running. But, you know, uh, I was too small to really play football. I know even at at, at seventh grade, you know, my weight was only so much, so I had to play a a year younger, the the, uh, kids under. And so I'm the running back, you know, and I mean, you know, I mean, I led the, 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 uh, you know, that little thing in in, in scoring champion and whatever. and, And I'm a little linebacker, you know, I mean, because I had the skills, I mean, I knew how to rush. I knew how to stay back. I'd intercept the ball run. You know, every time I touched the ball, it's pretty much a touchdown because I had moves better than O.J. Simpson. You know, as a little kid, <laughs> I mean, I had some moves. I had moves and I could throw the ball as far as any adult. But you know, I was just, uh, you know, just uh, I pl- I played a lot and I just got better and better as I played the game. And like I say, we played. Every day, all day. And I mean, literally, every day, all day. When kids get out of church, everybody get out of church. First thing we do, go home and change. We go get our stuff, and we're getting everybody together. We we'll start off with two people playing catch, maybe uh, – just hitting the ball and and, 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 and and playing some little game and then maybe two or two more come in. So now we start another little game. Then we got five or six. We start playing a game, you know, in the street. Then, you know, four and four on each team or whatever. And it's a little, uh, you know, you know, nice little street. We knew where to hit the ball, keep it out of the woods, hit, keep it on one side. But that's the way we played. And then once we got everybody together, we said, okay, let's go to the ballpark. And then now we got enough to play the whole, you know, maybe we start in the outfield with six on six and, you know, from shortstop playing to the outfield because at that time, not none of us is, you know, 11, 12, could hit the ball even from shortstop over the fence, you know. You know, there were a few that could, you know, get it close. But then uh, we would get the rest of the guys in, and then we plan from home plate. And then we would play from – I mean, we've already started, you know, first thing in the morning. Now the adults are getting off of work, and they're coming by, you know, talking about y'all can't play, y'all can't play no ball. He'd say, y'all go get y'all stuff. So now we're playing against the adults. And we would play ball to 12 o'clock at night. Now the thing about this 12 o'clock at night, we had guys – we thought we owned the ballpark there. Nobody was going to lock us out. They knew. Just leave the ballpark open. And let these kids play because when they put the lines down, we would play. But we would play shortstop out, and 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 and, and, and uh, the people who work the uh, you know the field say y'all just don't get on the lines and mess those up. They said we cool, we cool, we know what to do. So we play and so we would just play all day long. And then at night, like I say, we would play the twelve o'clock and. Uh, you know, around when it started getting dark, our games were so excited that if they had to lock on the uh, uh, the uh, light thing, guys would go and do what they had to do to take it off. And we'd be playing and, uh, you know, police was riding through the neighborhood just in a circle. They didn't come in and say anything. Then the man who ran the uh, city, you know, the all the uh, community baseball back in the day, he'd come out there and just look. And at us playing, and he said, "Oh, that's Lou out there playing." And they just let us alone and let us play. So he he used to say, "Oh, Lou the one used to break that lock." No, I never would ever break a lock on a on on a, on a switch box because you know that that's bad. That's bad. So I never did that. But <laughs> they would say Lou did it because they're gonna let Lou Whitaker play baseball, and the whole whole neighborhood. It wasn't just me. The whole neighborhood, and we were nice kids, but. We didn't let anybody uh, take that field away from us. It belonged to the city, but when they were, didn't have any games going on, field belonged to the boys in East Martinsville. <laughs> you know, in it, we call, used to call ourselves Standpipe because uh, East Martinsville. There was another area uh, in the in, in that uh, East Martinsville part of uh, the city that those guys could play ball too. I mean, they. They were good. So that was our competition. They would come up sometimes and say, and, and, you know, so now we know we're going to be playing those guys. So we get our best because they brought their best. And we would have uh, some very uh, interesting games, Uh, just fun competition. But uh, all of East Martinsville, even for the longest, you know, And I was eight years of age back in those days, you know, when I could go out to the ballpark by myself. And like I say, I didn't live very far. And these men just played and had a lot of fun, Brett.
1: While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone podcast.
0: Dan? Thanks, Boone. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BOON. B-O-O-N-E, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code Boone at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York, call 877-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. And now back to my
1: interview with Lou Whitaker. You get to high school. I heard you were a pitcher too. You're a middle infielder, and this is in my research. You're a pitcher and a middle infielder. I
2: played third base myself in the uh, – Oh, you were in the middle of yeah. – yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I want to get to that, how, how they made the switch. But well,
2: in, I always played third base in, in uh, from Little League all the way up until my um, second year in the uh, – I'm going to say in 1977. That's when they uh, – after my 76th season in the Florida State League – I was the most valuable player in the Florida State League, and the Tigers wanted me to switch over to second base. So that's when that started. But all the way through high school, little league, uh, you know, I was always the third baseman, Brett.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting because usually most of us that end up being second baseman, we were shortstops. It's very mm-hmm. rare that you go from third to second. I want to talk about that because you went to instructional ball in 76, I believe, and that's where they made the transition. But let's let's get your senior year in high school. Uh, you signed a letter, a letter of intent. I guess that's what it was called uh, at a College. Yeah. And now I, I can't – I would have to think – I've never been there, I don't think, to, but Martinsville it wasn't the most populated. You came – Once you signed your letter of intent to college, did you have any intent of that draft and thinking, no, I'm going to, I might sign professionally, but I just got this college in my back pocket. And and Um, I
2: I hate to interrupt you there but you know, sort of, you know, honing in on that. uh, I had really had no desire to go to college. Right. You know, I just graduated high school, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. But uh, Tigers, you know, they had drafted me first and, um, but they only offered me – well, they offered me – well, first, I'm going to put it this way. They they asked me how much did I want to sign, and I said $45,000. There was the uh, the scout. His name was Wayne Blackburn. He smoked a cigar. He came in, in into our neighborhood. He had had an accident in West Virginia. You know, on his way to us, he was all wrapped up in bandages and stuff. I looked like, man, you don't look like it was somebody professional, you know what I mean, you know? <laughs> And so, anyway, I I told him I wanted forty five thousand. The man almost choked on that cigar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so,
2: and so, uh, a little bit later, you know, they started negotiating, and they sent the big gun down, uh, Bill Lejoy, uh, head man in the Detroit Tigers organization. He came down, all tied, slick looking, business, and everything looking good, all of that. And uh, he come in with himself and he say, well, we can, we can offer you uh 10,000. I say, i tell you what, you give me 11,000, give 1,000 to my mother and I'll sign. And so we signed that day and uh, went and, you know, he took me shopping and got me a few little, you know, clothes and stuff or suitcase and whatever. And we drove on to Bristol, uh, Virginia, Tennessee. That's where the, rookie ball team, were in uh in the uh, Detroit Tigers uh, system. And so Bill and I, after we drove about three and a half hours, I guess, there, you know, we had a long conversation. And Bill later on, he told me, uh, uh, you know, some of the things going, talking back and that he really appreciated back then. He said, you know, Lou, you're probably the first person I ever asked this question to and gave me an answer that I just really loved, and that was a, uh, you know, usually asked like, uh, "What you want to do this or that?" And you know, I don't remember exactly what what and how I said it, but you know, I just told him that I was born to play baseball, and you know, he said he'd asked many people, but they never gave him that answer up front. You know, maybe lo- later on in the conversation, so. I mean, I mean that's how much I love baseball. I used to eat baseball, sleep baseball. I would put my glove in bed and sleep, dreaming baseball. I'd go to school, you know, show and tell back even the fourth grade. Teachers, you say, boy, won't you put that glove down? You ain't gonna do nothing with the, You know, that glove ain't gonna make you no money or something like that. And I kept my glove. I got into 12th grade. My 12th grade teacher said, well, won't you put that glove down? I said, no way. You know, but that was my thing. I just knew I wanted to play baseball, and that's why I quit playing football. I used to see good athletes get hurt. One of the top pitchers, about five years older than me, he may have gotten drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm not sure. But uh, he's a pitch. He was power hitter. I mean, he was just like a, a, a Bob Gibson, just a left-handed pitcher much taller. And so, but he played football and every year I used to see him, you know, he had, uh, you know, uh, uh, shoulder problems, you know, from, you know, from separating his shoulder playing football. And, you know, and after that, and, you know, 12 and 13, we kids out there playing in the ballpark. And then we got these 20 year olds and older kids coming out there and they want to play football with us and so they're playing aggressive and hard, and I'm mean, like, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not getting hurt out of here playing with you these guys. You know, playing like this right here. I think, cause I'm thinking about my 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 life, what I'm gonna be doing in the future. So I never tried to do anything. I mean, even some classes, I wouldn't even uh, take just because, hey, you cut a finger off, that means you may not be able to hold that baseball right. You know what I mean?
1: That's right. You and, right. You you had to stay away from shop.
2: There you go. You got it. You got it. Uh, and, and 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 electricity. You know. I mean. Hey. But you know. Now I wish. I'm like, man. I wish I had some of those skills. You know, to do a few things. You know what I mean? You know. But uh, that's that's how far I was thinking ahead, uh, Brett. I just did not let anything interfere with what I wanted to do with my life. I used to have one of my uncles. just say, well, you need to do this and you need to do that to fall back. On if you don't do this, well, you know, i you know, you take everything and you learn from it, you know, process it, whatnot. But you know, I stay focused on what I wanted to do, uh, and what I wanted to, uh, you know, someday, uh, have a, uh, an opportunity or the privilege to. And you know, like you, you mentioned from a little small town, how did people find Lou Whitaker? You know, like people look for diamonds in the world, well, really. All of us come from small towns, although some, they say they're from L.A., but they're from, well, you know, they're from a the, uh, cities, you know, and all of L.A. is big, you know, so we won't put them in it. But other, other people, when they say they're from Detroit, they might be from the, you know, from the small uh, towns outside in Detroit, you know, in Atlanta or, you know, around Georgia, you know, from the smaller places. But, you know, some people from the big city, but most everybody, you know, and I was just thinking about that not, not long ago. I was like, shoot, all of us, a majority of us from the small town, maybe not as small as Martinsville, you know. And and and, and a lot of uh, jobs left. Martinsville was a big uh, uh in uh, furniture. You know, you had all the big furniture factories, uh, Bassett, Hooker, Stanley Town, American Furniture, and uh, six or seven others and actually they used to say Martinsville although it's a small town and Martinsville has the uh, Martinsville Speedway the NASCAR
1: Yes, I was going to say and, furniture racetrack, and sweet Lou.
2: Yeah and wait Carl Hairston. uh uh you had a backup quarterback back in the day when uh uh Denver Broncos uh uh quarterback number 7 uh my Elway, man Elway Elway he backup black quarterback he was from Martinsville uh a few guys played with the Dallas Cowboys. Ricky Scales from Martinsville went to Virginia Tech, played with the Houston uh Oilers back, you know, way back. But Carl Haston, we used to call Nugget. He was like one of the first ones. Oh, JC Martin, Randy Huntley. Randy Hunley from Bassett, Virginia. Bassett is right there. JC Martin, guy named Sonny Wade, big time football player, went to played in the Canadian football league though, but made a big name up in in that area there. But there are quite a few. Then we have some golfers too. I was at the high school where I went to, and they had all these jerseys that that's retired up there. We got golfers. Uh, another guy used to play baseball with Roy Clark, uh, and he was, he's a uh, scout for the, uh, was, you know, back in the day in the Atlanta Braves, system. Then he went to the Dodgers for a little bit, went to the nationals a little bit, but Roy was probably, probably he was the number one, you know, head scout in the Atlanta Braves, uh, during the years when they were picking Chipper Jones and all these other kids before coming through. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, But we went to high school uh, together, you know, and and grew up actually, me and Roy used to play on the same baseball team from 13 years old all the way to uh, we finished in County Mac. And, uh, you know, shoot, Roy, you know, he was a a gamer, you know, back in them days. But we had a lot of guys. I mean, just, you know, some of the people we played back in those days, you know, Fitzgerald, Lavender, uh, Statler, Swartz, uh, you know, uh, we had some Martins, some Hairstons, quite a few Hairstons, you know, uh, you know, talk about guys I played with now and, uh, 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 just, 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 just so many guys, uh, 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 you know, that they all had, uh, something to do, you know, with me just being out there and, uh, they could play and we all love to play. We, 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 we love to have fun as kids and, um, uh, you know, they, you know, I, I mean, I can't say enough for what really, uh, and, and and think about all the coaches that uh, used to come and pick me up and take me to the ball games, you know what I mean? Because my mom was working in those days, and, you know, uh, uh, so it was the community of Martinsville that really, uh, that I could never say enough about. And like I say, I'm, you know, with excitement, you just can't think of every name as you're going through and I, you know, I, mean? I got they're listening right now, and you know, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Like saying like Goma pile thank you, thank you, thank
1: you. <laughs> no, here. that's I'm sure they'll appreciate it. That that's uh, that's very cool, actually. Uh, yeah. fifth round draft pick, 1975. Signed for 10 grand and a thousand for mom. Yeah. And you're off to Bristol, Virginia, which is not too far away from me. So it's not like you're going across the map to play a ball. How was that for you? I went to college. You know, I wanted to sign out of high school. I was you know, I didn't go to the 29th round or something like that. So I ended up going to to college for three years. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I was like you. I wanted to sign. But I had this scholarship to USC and, you know, it kind of it made sense for me to go to college. And, and I was really ready to go when I got out of college, I got through the minor leagues really quick, but mm-hmm. I often wondered, I love asking guys that went the high school route. They signed out of high school and how that was for you. Was it, was it an easy adjustment for you? Was it everything you expected or, or did you have a little growing up to do?
2: Oh, I had a lot of growing up to do because when I first got there, uh, you know, that's the first time really being away from home a very long time. Uh, you know, uh, uh, but when I got there, uh, I signed late because, you know, we were still negotiating, so I probably 10 days late, so they had already started their minor league system. So when I, when I got there, uh, first thing to do, I had to find a roommate. Everybody was pretty much full except one guy. And, they, the, you know, the guy said, Lou, uh, this guy right here, he was from Michigan, somewhere in Michigan. And so he says, uh, they asked, he said, oh, sure. So I stayed with this guy. We are on the Tennessee side of the Virginia side of the border, right? So there, uh, I spent that night with him, you know, roommate. And then the next day when I was going back, he told me, say, Lou, uh, people in the neighborhood say you can't uh, come back in here again. So they, I've come to find out. He said, Lou, you was uh, in the Klan uh, trailer area there.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah, so uh you know it I hey and so uh, now the uh the the guys that I stay with uh you know black guys uh they say why well, you should come and stay with us, you know, a little small trailer as it is. So they had three guys, Dexter Redd, Sherwin Rogers, and James uh, Taylor. And so uh they you know they they uh allowed me to stay with them. So we stayed we stayed on the Tennessee side too. And so we're in this little trailer park where you wake up in the morning, cows in the back of the pasture. So we woke up to cat looking out at cows, right? Right. Looking at you out your window. And so, but uh, that's, that was, you know, the, uh, you know, the room and arrangement, that was probably the biggest thing for me, you know, just getting adjusted to being away from home and then, uh, you know, playing ball, uh, it took me a while to, you know, I mean, I practice every day, you know. I didn't start, and you know, Bill Joy stayed there almost a week, and you know, we had a guy from actually USC. His name was Doc Field, doctor. He was a third baseman, switch hitter, back in back in those days. Probably about six two, six three, switch hitter, third baseman out of USC, and you know, this was, I guess, he was there around seventy. I guess he was there maybe year seventy four and then back in 75 but he was there in 75 so if if he came out of college that year but you know I didn't you know I didn't keep up with other people's stats and stuff like that I went to play baseball and watch baseball learn baseball and focus on baseball and so uh, Bill LaJoy told me after about you know about a week maybe just sitting on the bench and rooting for my teammates he said look we got rained out that uh, one day. And he said, "Lou, uh, you got double hitter. You're gonna be playing the second game, double hitter. So you be ready." And so that was my my first game it was against the Elizabethan Twins, and we played in Elizabethan uh, Tennessee that particular day. And I think I might have got one hit out of four at bats. I might have scraped out a hit, and uh, then uh, you know I played a little third base. And they wanted me to play shortstop, you know, cause you know they they moved me to shortstop after uh, so many days, and uh, so I'm at shortstop, you know, I catching everything, but man, I come up like a third baseman. You know, I always try to show my arm off. And so you know you could third base, you can catch it, stand and watch a guy run down the field and rifle it across the diamond. Shortstop, big difference, you know. I catch the ball and I'm standing up trying to throw. And I'm catching everything, but I'm throwing everything five uh, rows back in the stands.
1: <laughs> that that so, was my uh, that was my problem at short. My my feet would get tangled up. You get me in the hole and I'd get all out of whack. All right, go ahead, continue.
2: Well, I didn't you know I didn't get tangled uh, up, but just you know, a shortstop you stay down and everything is fluid. You. You know, you make, you make your play and you feel everything is, you know, almost like, you know, rhythm and motion, you know, third base, whatever. You you can do things. Second base, you can catch it and wait. You know, shortstop, you can't wait for anything. You catch you get rid of it, you know. And, you know, at shortstop, everything is almost like one step. The man is out, you know what I mean? Everything is closed so, at, at shortstop. And so, you, you know, I can tell you about that because that's tram. Tram, I always get you by half a step. You know, yep. Tram didn't have the strongest arm, but Tram—I mean—he one of the best shortstops I've ever seen, and consistent. Just, just you know, just a joy to play with over those years. So, you know, uh, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. But uh, back to uh, just being away—that uh, you know, my first year, probably just being away, being homesick, but. You know, it took me a while, and, like, I didn't do well in uh, 76. Matter of fact, my uncles come and picked me up. I called them and told me, you know, pick me up, And you know. So they came out, picked me up. We're driving back home to Virginia, and one of my uncles say, oh, you didn't do too good, did you? You know, blah, blah, blah. So, that's all right. Next year, I'll do better, you know. So I went home and, you know, just, I guess, just meditate and focus because that's what I used to do, really, uh, during it all season. I never – You know, season's over. I'm focusing on getting my mind prepared mentally uh, to play the game. And, you know, I wasn't one who did a lot of off-season work, believe it or not. I don't think it's one season out of 19 years that I really did a whole lot to prepare. Because, see, back in our day, my day, uh, I used spring training to get in shape for the season, you know what I mean? I mean, Sparky and, and and the coaches, you know, I mean, you know, I bust my butt and, uh, you know, but once I was established, second baseman, blah, blah, uh, Sparky knew he had a second baseman. He knew that I was going to be on the field. He knew I was going to be healthy and he didn't have to worry about me physically, mentally. And Sparky used to tell me, Lou, I can, when I go home, I can lay down and rest because I know I can put Whitaker at the top of the lineup and I don't have to worry about Thing. But now I've got to worry about is two, three, four, five, and six. Are they gonna to come to the ballpark prepared to play, healthy to play? Cause some guys used to joke around and get hurt. So, but you know, I didn't mess around and play. But Sparky didn't worry about. I mean, that's what he told told me. He was very proud of me. He used to have to even just say, "Luke, I know you don't like compliments and all this that and, uh, you know this talking about. You know, you know all of these things." But I just have to every now and then just pat you on the back and just thank you for, you know, and, and appreciate what you do every day. But I know you don't like this stuff. So, uh, but he used to tell me a lot of, you know, his, his personal things and, uh, you know, I mean, I appreciate it. And we had a wonderful relationship for 20 years, you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, he used to tell me he used to have some problem with some of them Cincinnati Red boys back in his day, you know. He say, Lou, I, 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 I had some I had to deal with a few of them because of certain certain things going on, but you know,
1: I, well, he did, go he ahead did, on that. He, did, he, did, he didn't even have to. He didn't have to worry about Lou. Seventy six. You're the MVP of the league, and then you're headed to instructional. And th- this is where you said they they made the 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 transition, or you had to make the transition from third to second. Now after winning. MVP of the league, they take you to instructional ball and tell you, we want you to be a second baseman. How did you take that? Were you willing to do it? Were you excited about it? Or were you thinking, wait a minute, I just won the MVP. Why do I have to change position?
2: I know what you mean, Brad. Uh what happened uh, right after the 76 season and being invited to instructional ball, they uh, said that they wanted me to, move from third base and we're going to work you at second base there. You know, actually I went home and I was in tears uh, because of just what you said. You know, I mean, I just had a great, good, real good season. And uh, I played third base all my life. And, you know, I thought I was, you know, only thing that anybody ever could say about my skills during those times is, He's just too small right now. You know, give him time to get a little bit more weight, a little more size, this and that. You know, that's the only thing that they could possibly say. But skill-wise, smallest thing on the field, play with anybody on the field, just as confident as all I could be, going to play, going to play hard, going to play to win. And most likely, at the end of the day, somehow get me in the game winning situation when we win. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's what my whole career, many people who write and don't understand the game. Like we know as players. uh, Every day Whitaker did something to win, put ourselves in position to win offensive defensively. And of course I had my share of losses too. You know, that's one thing you learn from is losses, but, uh, you know, I take, I take it all each, each day. I had something to do with our game. If I didn't get any hits, hey, I was part of the loss. If I got hits, part of the win, defense, offense. But, you know, that's where team play comes in because it's one thing I learned. To be on a team and to excel, you have to be a team. Nobody is better. I don't care who you are. Nobody is better than the other person. You know, and you find out a lot of times in the World Series, who's the person to get the World Series MVP It's the guy that you least expected. least you know? likely, yeah. He just has the greatest uh, series, and he really he's behind the win. But it just shows you everybody is important on on the team. So, you know, I never looked around, and I we never had that had to deal with that on any of our teams anyway, because you know you look around, talk about you know so-and-so-and-so-and-so, so-and-so-and-so-and-so. They're like, uh-uh, man, it, it, we can't talk about who's the best on this team because we have this guy over here that, hey, man, he's out there every day. So we are a team. And that's what uh, guys appreciate. I mean, I play with Darrell Evans. He came with uh, Darrell Evans. He came to us in 1984, you know, and uh, uh, we had a, you know, we, we, I mean, team was already ready to go. And we got rid of some guys on that team that uh, I'm sure they wish they were there with us that year. But, you know, Sparkle was looking for the power hitter from the left side. So Darryl fit in and Garum will fit in. But, you know, Darryl, when he came there, he said, man, these guys, these, he's, he you know, I was one of the happiest moves because he was ready for a championship. And, uh, you know, he just saw, man, you got Gibson and Parrish and Lemon and Herndon, Morris and Petrie, Brookings. You know, we had guys come off the bench, Bergman and uh 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 Barbara Ogarbe, even Rusty Koontz, you know, made our team in 1984. And Rusty started off having some great, you know, that great month, that that month, come up with big hits. So and 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 even a guy named Rod Allen, you know, they don't think about him much, but he played by, I don't know, maybe the first month. But, you know, Rusty Koontz and Rod uh, Rod Allen, they made the team in spring training on the minor league side. They were hitting and tearing the cover off the ball. And at the end of the season, Sparky Ball, both of those guys, they were going to be his bench along with uh, uh, Johnny Grubb, you know, and uh, like I said, Bergman. And, uh, I mean, that was our bench. These guys, and they carried us, you know, with big hits. Uh, in that, uh, you know, nineteen eighty four, uh, early in that season, Howard Johnson was on that team, and but we had the horses out there every day. Like I say, Lemon Herndon, we picked up Rupert Jones halfway in the season because Chetty got hurt for a little bit, missed a few games, and you know Gibson out there every day, you know competitive as, 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 as anybody on the, on the field, you know, Kurt has always just been a, a competitive athlete, you know, and uh, he just wanted to be the best. I mean, he worked at being the best. He wanted to be the best. And, you know, I mean, I have all deep deepest respect for uh, people like that because that's what you want. People who come to play, come to win. You may lose, but you come to play. And you come to have some fun and you come to win because that's, 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 that's the way we did, you know, as you know, and all of us as athletes, that's what we do. Uh We play, we play to win. that's why we excelled and, 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 got where we uh, uh did, uh, you know, you know, in, in the game and that's in any sport, in any, any sport, you got people out there playing to win. now, uh, And, you know, and that's what I look to all, all the people that, I play with. I just want them to have fun. Uh, if you uh, Sparky, put your name in the lineup. Come on out here and have some fun. Play the game the way it's supposed to be. When we walk off this field, whether we win, we lose, or draw, we put our best foot forward, and uh, we had fun that day. And you know, and that's you know, that's that that was my goal for 19 years. Even you know, even before my leagues, that's how I made it. Out uh, there, you know, just in that sun, <laughs> you know, sweating and playing, playing the game. And, uh, you know, people, I appreciate, uh, the, the men who saw me and appreciate, uh, all the compliments and everything that, that goes with it, you know,
1: that's it's you, meant you mentioned so many names right there. And, you know, I bring, you bring up a Daryl Evans. I remember as a kid watching, Daryl Evans, underrated player. He had to hit, 400 and 410 420 homers. Lance Parrish is a is a close family friend of of ours. Uh and you bring up Rusty Koontz. That's funny. You know, Rusty was my first, my first day in the big leagues. He was the first base coach. And I remember it, he he he'd be, you know, I, I went up Lou and when I first got to the big leagues and man, I was struggling. I came out of AAA. I was tearing it up, you know, MVP of the team. Of the, I don't know if I was MVP of the league. But I got up there and I thought it was going to be easy. And that first little stint for me in the big leagues was hard. Rusty Coots would always be coming up. Booney, you're going to be okay. You got to keep, you got to keep grinding. You got to, but I still have memories of him. Rusty's still going. You talk about a lifer in the game of baseball. He's still going, but a lot he's of memories of the, Yeah, he's still going. Uh, A lot of memories you bring up when you bring it up, all those names, but you get, all right, I want to get back to instructional ball. You're making the transition going from third to second, and that changes your life kind of, and it changes Alan Trammell's life as well, because you guys are going to be hooked together. And when I was preparing for this interview, I just thought how cool, kind of jealous of you guys, you know, there's not too many people that get to have their double play partner. And unless you're a second baseman or a shortstop out there uh, that played the big leagues for a long time, it's tough for you to relate that, that relationship that we have with one another, you know, and, and that, and that combo in the middle, man, I, my first one was Omar Vizquel. He was great. I, I got to play with Walt Weiss. Uh, my longest tenure with, with a shortstop was Barry Larkin in Cincinnati for five years and it was phenomenal. Um, and I had Carlos Guillen in, in Seattle. I had many shortstops and when I was going through your, you know, your career, I just thought, wow, Instructional ball 1976 until Lou retired. Well, obviously, there might have been some injuries here and there, but Tram was your partner in the middle for. Forever, it seems like nineteen years, as you mentioned. That that's pretty awesome. You mentioned Sparky. Uh, other than when you first got to the big leagues in, in, in that '79 season, Sparky took over. He was your only manager. I was thinking, I've had like ten managers. Now, granted, I had some real cool managers and and guys that I really enjoyed, some Hall of Famers, and you know, Bobby Cox and Lou Pinella and Bruce bochi But you had one, Sparky. It's almost like. I don't know. I'm gonna let you tell me, but but you make your debut in 77. You and Tram come up at a similar time. And uh the rest is kind of history, but but just talk about that relationship. And and I know you became really close friends with Alan. Uh Alan was a first base coach for me. One year I played in San Diego, I got to know him, becomes buddies. He's been on the Boone podcast. Wonderful guy. Just recently got inducted in the Hall of Fame. But talk about that relationship you had. And and I know your families, I think, traveled throughout the years. And, and uh, I'm sure still great friends to this day.
2: Oh, yeah. We'll always be friends, you know, uh, forever, forever. Link, Trammell, Whitaker, Whitaker, Trammell, as uh, Ernie Harwell would say, and all of Detroit would say, and all of Major League Baseball would say today. But, yes, we got called up together in 1977 out of AA after we won the uh, – the uh, Southern League Baseball Championship. We get called up to Detroit. We go up to the front office, sign our contracts, go down to the clubhouse, get dressed, walk up in the dugout. First thing I see, you know, Tigers were hitting at the time. So the first pitcher I see on the mound, Jim Palmer. i like, oh, my goodness. You can't ask for anything better than that. Seeing Jim Palmer out there with that smooth delivery. You know, that, that you know, high that leg kick. Oh, man. I mean, I imitate that all my life. I've been imitating Jim Palmer all my life. You know, just I would never pitch like it, but just imitating when I'm just joking, like thinking about it now. And so uh, we tram and I just sit on the bench and we watch. And, uh, you know, I, I got the pitch run a time or two because when, when, we, they were going on the road after that and finishing up the season. They went to Cleveland, they went to Boston, and they finished up in Yankee Stadium uh, that year. So, and then Tram and I got our first start. They, you know, they, they informed us up, up front that Tram and I was going to start on the national uh, baseball game of the week on, I think it's Saturday against the Red Sox. So Tram and I uh, played, uh, you know, had our first start. Uh, I don't know if we played more than one game that day. And then we may have played, too. I'm not sure. And then we went to Yankee Stadium, and I think we pretty much just sat on a bench, you know, you know, again. And the next year, you know, we go to spring training. And, you know, uh, of course, we make the team. And we had Ralph Houck. He was my first manager. And then we had Les Moss. Ralph retired, like, in 79. And then uh, Les Moss, uh, for half a season, you know, and you know, we kept kept hearing rumors, Sparky Anderson's gonna be, I was manager, Sparky Anderson gonna be here. We were doing pretty good, matter of fact, uh, you know, the first couple months. So anyway, around July in 79 or so, somewhere in there, Sparky comes to our team and you know, he's now he's moving in players, changing things around, you know, trying to uh, you know, get everything the way he wants it to be, you know, for the future making some big trades, getting rid of some guys that we th- actually we thought were going to be part of the team, you know, back in that day. And so, you know, because we had Steve Kemp, you know, he was one of the guys come through the system at that time out of USC again, another USC guy. And we had Jason Thompson. So, you know, I'm looking at these guys as going to be the future, you know what I mean? But, you know, when Sparky got there, he just started making these changes. He brought, like I say, brought in Lemon, he brought in Herman, uh brought in uh, other people at first base. And so, uh, yes, Tram and I, you know, played, uh, you know, 17 and a half years with Sparky Anderson. Uh, you know, of course, Sparky was a legend with the big red machine. Actually, that was the team I used to, uh, as, you know, growing up as a kid, that's what I used to watch. Uh, uh, Going even way back to Bobby Tolan, you know, but then they started getting that big red machine with Bench and Morgan and Concepcion and Foster and Griffith, Dreeson, you know, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all of that. And but that was team I uh grew up watching, loved to play because, you know, they played the game hard. They played, you know, uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati Reds was a, a organization that they they followed that 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 rule, like, you know what I mean? You was there, you would know. I mean, they 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 followed a a, a routine just like the big leagues in the minor leagues. I used to see those kids. I mean, like wow, they were like clockwork, working along like the big leaguers. And of course, also I watched the Baltimore Orioles growing up a lot. Earl Weaver and that crew. You know, I mean, like, those two teams. Those were the teams that, uh, as a kid, we got in Martinsville on the uh, on our station, and you know, they were. They were pretty much regular, you know, they, they, they were regular. So I got to watch some, some, uh, excellent baseball players. I mean, I could name the Cincinnati Reds almost just like I can name Baltimore Orioles back in the day and Baltimore had four 20 game winners back in those days. I mean, now uh Cuellar Palmer and, uh, uh, one of the other, I forget his name, uh, dots, dot, dobson, dobson, I think it was something like Pat, that. Pat and Dobson. Had, yeah. Pat Dobson, but they had, you know, uh, uh, Belanger and, and my main man, uh 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 third base, uh man, I, I Brooks, Brooks number Robinson, five, number five. Brooks Robinson playing Robinson. Play it, yes. And Big Boo, Paul did you got Paul Blair, uh uh Frank Robinson, Don Buford out there, you know. And so I mean just yeah, that's that see I see I remember players today, just like I remember them. 30-some years ago, 40 years ago. I mean, I I think about guys I played baseball with, how I used to defense them and from time to time, just sitting in the home, different teams I played against, how I would play this guy, that guy, you know. So, you know, that was my game. I knew the game up and down. I mean, I just love baseball. And to be successful, you got to study the game. And I studied it very, very well. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy. I mean, uh, you know, just you know, when you when you play against some of the teams, if, if uh, they came to 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 just you know bury you, so to speak, Kansas City Royals is what I'm thinking about with that Hal McCray, you know, oh. that George Brett, you know, back in there, go yeah. hell, you know, you have, you had have to. Basically, they basically tell Hal McCray, man, if you, you you keep on acting like that, I'm gonna have to throw this ball between your eyes. Exactly. You know, I, Hal, that's how Hell talk mess. Hell talk some mess. mess. Hell try to talk talk you Hell try to intimidate you before the game. Because I used to go around the, the uh uh the uh the uh, uh batting cage. You know, I always used to go out. The other guys used to sit back and they said, Man, look you guys they don't never come out of the batting cage, you know, they be talking smacking. And you know, aim a I'm a sweet blue. No. And, and, and talk about we gonna do this. We got to say, man, you talk to the wrong person. So, but that was uh, Kansas City Royals, man. And you, you, they used to dominate the uh, Detroit Tigers. They used to dominate, and uh, we just had to figure out how to beat them. And so, you know, Tram and I, we talked about it, and so we didn't play for double plays because that those guys used to hit and run all day long. They get somebody on base. They just got people running all the time. And if they get you out of position or got you moving, they just, you know, you never, you never win. And so what we start doing is just playing deep the whole game, just get one out at a time, you know, one out at a time. And we start beating those guys. We start beating them. That's how we became, uh, uh, you know, a team to be reckoned with. We had to learn how to beat Kansas City Royals. We had to learn how to beat Boston Red Sox because Boston and they had some smashes back in those days. With Evans, Lynn, Rice, you know, Remy and Burleson at short and second, but they look pesky. Then at Big George Scott at first, and uh, the, my man at Butch Hobson behind the plate. And of course, back in those days, they had a Carlton fist. And them boys they hit all day long. They had some smashers. So our games, when we play them half the time, it's going to be 89810714 10, seven, 14. Or, Eight, you know, I mean very few games are gonna be low-scored games. But I mean we could be beating them guys seven nothing in sec third in and they're gonna beat us 12-10 by the name, because them boys him boys could hit. But every, every team, we just had to we learn how to play and we learn how to uh, uh you know just get better. Get better to, You know, the goal is to win that ring, right? To be a champion one day, one day. And that's hard enough you know, of course you try to uh, 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 repeat, but uh, for some, it just wasn't, just wasn't in the cards, but there were some guys who I mean they got four, five rings, six rings, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> There's some guys so, get five, five rings and, and some great players that never even get to go to a world series. That's why it's, uh, you know, and I've mentioned this before on the show. It's, Every year I I see whoever wins that World Series, and you know, there's kind of it kind of puts a smile on my face because I think, wow, this, these guys are so fortunate to, to not only get to the World Series, but to win one because they are special, you know. I got to a World Series. I never got to win one, and, and I got a lot of friends, a lot of, you know, a Ken Griffey Jr., I think of, who was a teammate of mine, and he, he not only did he not win a World Series, he never even got to play in a World Series. Barry Bond's the greatest player I've ever seen. I think might have got to one, never won one. They are special, special uh, special times, and, and you got there in 84, and you, and you got to hoist that trophy, and we'll get to that in a minute, but 78, you win the rookie of the year, you hit 285, uh, 71 runs scored and 58 ribbies out of that leadoff hole. When you come out and, and you win the rookie of the year right out of the gate, do, do you feel a little pressure? Like, all right, I get, you know, there's there's that old adage that that sophomore jinx. Did you ever think about that? Because you bounced back right in 1979, you hit 286, with 20 and you yeah, stole well, and, you, well, and you stole 20 bases. Yeah. First,
2: first, I'm just going to give Ron LaFleur the credit there. He was the leadoff hitter in, in 78. I was the
1: okay. I second. You hit second. I hit
2: second. Yeah. Ron LaFleur, you know, he was the base stealer and you know, I had to pre- protect him. But uh, yes, yeah, 78, uh, you know, I, you know, I just play the game. I just go out there every day, play the game. And then the next year, yes, they were talking about that second year jinx and whatnot. So, I mean, it, You know, I I think my third year is where I struggled. And, you know, I struggled because of a a third or fourth year, I forget which one, on 230, 31. But I was asked to do something that, well, you know, I sort of, you know, I mean, I take the credit. I'm the one who went to the bat. But, you know, uh, it's tough when you go up to bat and you're taking pitches. You know, uh, I know my hitting instructor later on, Gates Brown, uh, he told me, Lou, how long you been playing the game? I say, you know, okay. He says, uh, how long have you known this pitcher here? I'll say, okay. You say, why do you go up to the bat up the plate and take a pitch right down the middle? If you throw you that first pitch, hit it. And I probably hit, I don't know, what 15 leadoff home runs, something like that, only for eight, nine years or so, you know. And uh But, uh, you know, I was just taking pictures that, that, that particular, that that was the year I I hit 231. And I mean, I struggled like a big dog to get to 231. That's the first time I ever just tried to hit for an average, you know, just to get from 220 to 230 or whatever. But, you know, so, so late in this year, but, you know, I, I mean, I had 40 some walks in my first two months that year. So I was doing what I was asked to do, but you know, walks walks in the hitting two twelve, two fifteen, two twenty. You know, that's what they're looking at. The average, they're not looking at your game. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, most second baseman probably could get by with two eleven, two twenty, and playing an exceptional defense. But uh, you know, I mean, that's that. I mean, I learned from you know that's the only time I really, you know, just sort of try to defend that to to, to some point. But uh, um I, you know uh I you know I was pretty much, you know, a balance all the way through. I mean, even, even leadoff hitters, you know, you know, hitting two eighty, two seventy-five, two eighty, whatever. And, you know, I always drove in, you know, shoot, I probably average up around eighty uh, uh uh runs uh as a you know, leadoff hitter or hitting second, you know, somewhere up in there. So that's pretty good, you know. I mean, when you think about it, because I'm, I'm on base scoring runs for the big guy, you know what I mean? You know, nobody on base for the leadoff hitter, right? That's <laughs> right. All these there ain't nobody on base for, for there. But, uh, you know, w- we set the table sort of with the, for the third, fourth, fifth guys. So, uh, again, Play the game. Don't worry about uh, who's uh, who's getting the wins. You know, as the pitchers always say, or Sparky would say, the only person gets the loss or the win is the pitcher, right?
1: That's right.
2: He <laughs> goes by his name. But, uh, you know, we have something to do uh,
1: uh,
2: as we uh, play the game. So uh, go ahead.
1: 1982. I, and I was looking at your power numbers early in your career, and you hit three home runs. You hit one home run a couple of years. All of a sudden in 82, you hit 286, you hit 15. What do you attribute that to?
2: Well, I was a leadoff hitter. And again, I, you know, the only thing I used to try to do is, uh, hit the ball up the middle, really. I mean, that was my strong suit. I mean, I could almost hit the ball where I wanted to, but you know, sometimes you just get a little, you want to get a little tricky and do this and do that. But you know, I, I'm saying it in, in a sense because I was inside out. So my, my focus, if I was really, 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 you know, because sometimes you can go up there and you're not, you know, you're not concentrating it's, you know, it's like giving away out. Sometimes you swing at a bad pitch, do this or do that. So my thing was, if we're went down, my and that's my thing is if we're down, somebody's got to do something to get us in this game. We got, we got, we got, we got to move. We're winning, we were winning. Play defense, get out. But now, getting on base, I was inside out, no power. Now, Brett. So I, I, I mean, my whole career, even in uh, kind of man, uh, in in high school, I well, my last senior year, I hit like ten on run. But uh, uh, my first year in minor leagues, I probably hit one. Second year in minor leagues, I probably hit one third year in the big leagues, I probably hit one. So I'm inside out, hit the ball, got that little slice between short and uh, third base, you know, that inside out, uh, up the middle because, you know, I, uh, pitchers are going to overpower me. I mean, you know, I was 155, 160, you know, and, you know, like a Ham hey, McCray say, sweet little kind of light in the – in the back, can't you, boy? You ain't gonna hit nothing out here in Kansas City. You know what I mean? You ain't in Detroit with that little short porch. You know what I mean? <laughs> see, So you know, like Hal would always always got something to say. You know what I mean? But he was a fun guy, man. We got to know each other, but still, don't 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 turn your back on and playing ball. that Hal, just clip you.
1: Oh, how'll you know get, get you?
2: Hell a clip. you. hell a clip. You say you're slipping. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I never slip when I'm out there. You know, always uh playing to protect and serve, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, I mean, I, my 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 aim was right there. When I get it, I get rid of it. I'm throwing it right between your eyes. So get down. Get down. Hal, I wish I, I could throw it like Manny. M- you remember Manny? Uh what's my man? Tri- name? You trio. Speak? Manny trio make you dig a grave going down second base slide because he came from, he came from down under. And I mean, I went there, you know, he got traded to Cleveland and my first time sliding. And I mean, you, you get way down on Manny. Uh, boy, you got out, out of that man's way. Uh, the way he turned a double play, but, um, go ahead, go
1: ahead. Now, uh, Hal was a hitting coach of mine for two years. Love Hal McCray. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'd talk about it. And obviously, the videos we see of Hal taking guys out at, at second base. And I used to get on, I said, Hal, you could never get me. We, Hal and me, never played against each other, but uh, he was a little before my time. But I said, Hal, you couldn't get me. And he'd look at me with that smile and go, Booney, I'd get you, I'd get you. But it was him, uh, and Kirk Gibson. I played against Gibby a little bit. He'd give me that look like I'm coming to get you. Will Clark would try to come get you, but you, you know, us as second baseman, if we do what we're supposed to do around the bag and do it correctly, they can't get us. They can't hurt us. They can flip us in the air, but, but I used to laugh at guys thinking they were going to come down and get me. The only time is if you bobbled that ball and you got it and you catch a, catch a spike. So as long as you avoid that, it would you'd be all right. Mm -hmm. Um, before we get on to those, that World Series team, I want to. I, I never got to, t- I've never asked anybody about this, but, but I did know, and it wasn't his big years. He had gotten hurt, but such a character in the game. And you played with him, Fidrich. Give me a little bit of a glimpse into what what Fidrich was like, because just from an outsider watching videos, you can only imagine you were there as, I think he played with him three years, Uh, And it wasn't his heyday when he was, when he was, uh, when he had that big year, but what, what was the bird like?
2: Well, actually I never really got an opportunity except 1978. And he was going to be our starting pitcher in 1978 He went out. He got the first man out. The next two guys, he started fumbling and messing around with his arm, and they came and took him out of the game, and he was done. You know, uh, the year before, when we were in the instructional league, that's the year he had – or let me see, what was that? I uh, I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, He came down trying to rehab this must have been 70s uh wow uh because he, he was the uh rookie of the year in 1976 that's the year he had that great year you know every, right. to, everybody is coming out to see him and so but uh after that year he got hurt and uh he tried to rehab and just never could make it back and you know he had gotten close enough in 78, you know, he made it all the way through spring training. And we were looking forward to, uh, you know, playing with Bird that year. You know, Tram and I, we're the rookies uh, on the team. And like I say, we were opening day in Detroit. We, we were out there with him and two hitters. He walked off the field and he was never able to come back. Tigers tried to work with him for another two years, I think. They kept him, you know, working with him. Finally, they released him. Uh, Boston picked him up because he's from the Boston area. And, uh, you know, Boston, you know, he never – just never was – never able to come back. So, uh, you know, that was the end of his career uh, because of whatever happened, you know, uh, back in those days. And then – you know, unfortunate what happened to him later on, you know, up on his farm, you know, messing with his tractor and something happened where, you know, he uh, died, you know. So, and he
1: passed away a few years ago. 1983, you're an all star for the first time, you win your first gold glove, win a silver slugger. You're going to be an all-star for the next five years. You're going to win gold gloves for the next three years. And you're going to win silver slugger. I think, I think you skipped a, uh, a year on the silver slugger, but you, I think you go 83, 80, 45, 87. Uh, but that's kind of the, that's the heyday. You're going to win that world series in 1984, but, but you're rolling. I mean, you're getting the hardware every year at the end of the year. It's like, what? how many am I going to get this year? Um, you're coming in your own. 83, you hit 320, the highest you've hit uh, in your career. And then you get to the 84 season. You mentioned uh, all those great players that that made up that 84 ball club. You had Sparky Anderson, who, who I think was on the brink of becoming the first manager to win a World, world Series champion in both the National and the American League. Uh, take me through that 84 season. It had to be uh, pretty awesome for the city of Detroit.
2: Well, the year before in '83, I guess that's where it all started because we won 96 ball games, and we finished second place behind the Baltimore Orioles that year. They won 102 games. Believe it or not, we beat Baltimore Orioles quite a few times that year. I think we probably beat them more than they beat us. So we knew that we were just as good, better. I mean, you got to believe you' be going to be better. If you're gonna ever win, and so in '84 we just you know went back to camp to pick up where we left off pretty much. Uh, we just knew that we had a team. We you know we hadn't. I mean, although we won 96 ball games, we hadn't really accomplished anything. You know, we we're not in the playoffs in the World Series anything. So we still got a long way to go. And so from spring training, uh, we had the team. You know pretty much what we thought we could, you know, go, go into the 84 with, but then, you know, Sparky made trades, uh, you know, going on, uh, picked up Bergman as a first baseman, backup first baseman bench player. You know, they say Bergman was good, good off the, you know, off the bench. You know, he's going to work in the count where he's going to, he's going to get on base some sort of way. You know, he's going to work that pitcher. He's going to get on. Uh, I think we picked up Johnny Grubb, maybe the year before or coming back. He's on the bench there. I mean, I give a lot of credit to the guys coming off the bench. That's where our team really uh, come together. But uh, Daryl Evans, we picked up Daryl Evans and uh, Willie Hernandez.
1: Yeah, Willie Hernandez yeah, in the uh, bullpen. It yes, wasn't yes, he in the yes. he was in the bullpen, right?
2: When he was our closer, we got yeah, him. Yeah, I remember him. We got him from Philadelphia. Uh, the Phillies, uh, uh, that year because see, the Phillies already had a, 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 a closer left handed closer. I can't think of my man's name, Al Holland, I think it is. And uh, see, they had him, so they were able to give up her, uh, Hernandez. And so, you know, uh, we got him, and uh, uh you know, some, some of the rookies, you know, kids, like I said, uh, maybe Marty Castillo and, and uh, 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 Howard Johnson, you know, they were pretty much, you know, Sparky wanted Howard at third base, but you know, things went on. So we tried Marty for a while, things went on. And then he, Finally realized, put Brookie back at third base. <laughs> so, Brookie ended up being our uh, everyday third baseman, you know, because Brookie was a uh, steady down there, you know. And Brookie could play every position, you know, on, on the infield, shortstop, short, uh, second base, and uh, third base, you know. So, I mean, he's a credit to the team, you know, just outstanding every day, just did his job. And so, uh, uh, you know, when thing is, when we started our season, shoot, I think, well, well, you know, we won thirty we were thirty-five and five because Baltimore Orioles come in town. Eddie Mary looked up at the scoreboard. He says, oh, "Man, Lou, we ought to start the season over, man, because they were like nineteen, twenty games out of uh, first up uh, <laughs> behind us in two months of the season or whatever. You know what I mean?" And uh, he just, you know, he just knew they were they were through. And uh, but we still had the uh, Toronto Blue Jays on our heel the whole year. That was our you know, everybody's competition. But, you know, we were 35-5. We had won like 16 games in a row. We made lost a few. And then we come back and win nine or so in a row. I mean, we were rolling. And we just – we had good, great pitching. I'm not going to say good pitching. Great starting pitchers that particular year. Everybody kept the ball in the ballpark. They didn't walk a lot of guys. And anytime we got – in a situation, we come up with big double plays. Now, you know, I mean, I, you know, this is how I think about the game because Chet Lemon was so good in the outfield, center field. I mean, Chet would run from corner to corner and he, you know, you ball could be in your hand. Chet will call you off. I mean, Chet, I mean, he was a roamer out there. And so, you know, he just, he and Gibson, it just made it easier for them. And then what it did, what I realized as we played that year is the way Chet covered center field, that allowed Larry Herndon to play down the left field line a little bit more. And anybody that hit a ball at third base, you know, normally you say that's two, right? Well, Herndon was there to cut that off and he'd get that ball back in the infield single. So by that taking place, we turn a double play and get, get out of the inning. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, you know, that, that, I mean, the, our overall game defensively, you know, I, I can only give us a superb because we played, you know, and, and and sometimes your year, you better make the best out of it. You know what I mean? And I think we did. Everything fell in place. Even when we uh, had some games where we may have been beaten, guys did not quit. And one, one game, Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, it was either they could have been like one game behind us, four games behind us, no, or one, or three or four. You know, one game was just a big swing at that time. And Bergman uh, filed off. Uh, they say I don't know how many pitches he filed off, and then end up hitting like a grand slam or a three run home or whatever to beat the Blue Jays. And they had they had that game one, but that's that was just our makeup that particular year guys did not quit until the game was over. And, uh, I mean, it just went on and on guys would come off the bench each time, come up with clutch hits, especially, uh, April. And, you know, I mean, that's that, I mean, they just kept us in the game, uh, there, but once, once the sun and I always struggle with, uh, in, in, uh, you know, I mean, Hey, my little body out there and, in, in April, I'm about to freeze, you know, like <laughs> playing baseball. And I always wonder, like, how in the world did I make it through high school in April and stuff playing ball? When now, you know, I'm, I'm you know, and so, but when May comes I feel that sun coming out and I can take them gloves off and start feeling that bad. I said, uh oh, baseball season. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how yeah. was that uh you remember that parade after after you guys won it all?
2: I did not go to the parade. Uh, you know, I just heard about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't go, uh, you know. Uh, I, I I never really got involved in a lot of uh, other little, uh, you know, so activities, whatever, you know. Uh, uh, they had a great time. You know, they had a great time. I mean, you know, I, Lou Whitaker didn't show up that day. And a few other days Lou Whitaker didn't show up at things. But hey, I was always there when Mark said, uh you you're in the lineup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you end up beating yeah. the Padres. It was yeah. uh it was Tom Manahan, Mon, uh, Moynihan, I'm sorry, was the Mon- owner of,
2: Monahan? Monahan? Monahan?
1: Monahan. The Domino. Yeah, he, the he was. Man. He's responsible for Domino's Pizza. You're playing against Croc, the owner of McDonald's. Oh, that, that, is
2: that right. Yeah, that I was played a, for two pizza owners. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Illegy on uh, Little Caesars. You know.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> played oh, for I all the fast. You play for yeah. all the fast food. Hey. Uh, you had some great years in there 85 you hit 21 you hit 20 in in 86 1989 you hit your all-time high 28 home runs 94 you hit 301 you hit 300 for the second time in your career and you end up retiring after the 95c I was looking at and and i had paul molitor on the program recently and i talked to him you know paulie his last year hit something ridiculous like 330 mm-hmm. and i said paulie why the hell did you retire? You hit 330, and he goes, I was just done. I had had enough. And look at your last year. Uh Lou, you 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 had 293 with 14 home runs and 44 ribbies. Why do you walk away after 95?
2: Well, just like a monetary just knew I had enough. Uh the fun was gone, the say the thrill was gone. uh, uh probably uh, probably having some difficult situations. You know, trying to handle off the field and, uh, you know, actually during that year and uh, about in June, I went in, you know, you know, as got to the uh, clubhouse, we we're in Boston, matter of fact, and, you know, I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm just, you know, just down, I suppose. And I went in Sparky's office, you know Sparky used to always say when I come in, say uh, uh Luigi, my boy, how you doing? How's the family? Yeah, what can I do for you? Sit down and uh he say, you know I said, you know sparky i'm uh, you know I'm, and'm I'm, I'm, you know I'm just not enjoying myself. I'm not you know things are just not going right, and I think i just I just want to retire." And he says, well, i tell you what, Lou, I'll take you out the lineup today. We, I, won't, I won't play you no more this series here in, here in Boston. We're going back to Detroit. And then at the end of the season, Lou, you and I will retire together. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I just, uh, you know, I just, you know, just where I'm trying to, you know, get my thoughts here together. Why, why, why? you know you just know it was time to to leave the game and when i left i i left i never put on another i don't think i've had on a pair of spikes but one time uh since then and you know i've never been to any old time you know the uh the games they you know they have the uh,
1: uh old timers game
2: yeah old timer games and uh they, you know, where the fans come in. They had their little fan games and stuff. Uh, they've invited me, and I said, "I'll tell you, I'll come and just show up, and I might speak a little bit, you know, welcome the people here and this and that." But uh, you know, I'm not going on the field, and I'm not playing. But I did do it one time. I did it one time, and uh, and uh, but I only played one inning. And uh, uh, Jake Woods, man, eighty some years, and that was back then. Jake Wood played about eight innings that day. I like it. And the man, the man run like the wind to it, eight sub. So. But they say he plays, he stayed, you know, physically fit playing the, uh, uh, the 70 and older softball. But I was just so impressed. Jake Wood out there running. And I mean, he still could run, run, uh, 70. and I'm like, man, I could barely move. <laughs> and, and, but, uh, I, but that, you know, I, and I don't even know if I had on cleats that day. I know I didn't. Probably had tennis shoes on. I ain't got no reason to put no cleats on. <laughs> but uh, I just knew I was ready to, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't really happy. i gonna put it that way. I wasn't happy. And, you know, I've always been happy out on the baseball field. And things yeah, when you good.
1: right when you lose, you just lost that passion for the game. It wasn't what it had always been to you. You left on your own terms, mm-hmm. and you left after you know had a had a really good season. Most people leave when they hit when they hit two eleven, and they're like, "All right, yeah. I'm old and I'm done." You went out on top.
2: Yeah, I um, heard. Uh, I heard that there was a few fans say because I left. He said he'll be back. He'll be back.
1: And you know, yeah, he never came back. You know when you're done.
2: Yeah, he just I said to myself, he just don't know who he's talking to. I'll deal with right
1: here. For your situation, and, and it's very unique, and, and especially nowadays, it's, it's, I don't know if it'll ever happen again where you start your career with an organization, finish it with an organization. You happen to do that throughout your years in Detroit. Did you ever have an opportunity or even think about leaving the Tigers?
2: Well, I really never thought about leaving them. Uh, I had some opportunities. I think Oakland A's around mid-90s somewhere, they wanted me. Red Sox were interested. Uh, Bill Joy had left a couple of years before, and he went to Atlanta Braves, and he called me. This was uh, when I was a free agent, I suppose, for a couple of days, and uh, he called me, says, uh, Lou, uh, we need a second baseman down here in Atlanta. And then he started telling me, man, we got some kids. There. Hey, Lou, you're going to love it when when you get here. We got this kid that's coming up in the minor leagues named Chipper Jones. We got this uh, catcher, Harvey Lopez. We got this. We got that. Then he started naming off Smotes and Glavin, Avery few other guys, you know, and he said, Lou, that's all we need is a second baseman who can produce runs, whatever, you know, run producer, defense. And, you know, and I'm at the end of my career. And, you know, and I'm Sparky got me at, at this time playing only against left handers. You know, I mean he was doing that to preserve my, you know, long longer Preserve my career, you know, a little bit more longevity in, in the game. Because he used to tell me, you know, I I I I had uh, uh, Concepcion and Morgan, and they out there every day. And he says if he could do it all over again, he wouldn't have played them as much, you know. And but anyway, uh, that's how that uh, that's how that sort of uh, panned out
1: the uh when you came to the big leagues which was 1977 uh and when you finished in 1995 how had the game changed from your rookie year to the year you walked away
2: oh i really don't think it changed that much uh in my era it started changing maybe a little bit later on uh you know uh, i i i my whole career, I didn't, I didn't really see, uh, anything, you know, uh, you know, that I can pinpoint. That was such a big difference. Uh, and you know, really, I'm glad because, you know, now to, you know, I mean, you could still take a second baseman out then, you know, I mean, you could go, you know, long as you stayed, you know, if you could reach out, you could slide long, you could reach and get to the bag some sort of way. Uh, that was, that was, that was game today. You can't, well, you can't really hardly do anything today. You slide, you have to slide into the bag. You can't go past the bag outside the bag or anything. They will review it and call you out, you know, so tape, you know, replay and all this stuff, uh, uh, you know, uh, protecting all this big money they have in the game just like uh you know where uh, other games today they're protecting players and it has it takes away from the game somewhat you know we'll leave it alone leave that alone that's their game I don't want to interfere with these young men's game uh but uh, it's not the way you know you and I probably growing up you may have saw some changes uh coming along the way. Uh, doing your error or whatever, but I'm trying to think about just one little thing that, uh, that I saw that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, you know, I saw making a, a, a huge uh, difference in the game that, you know, maybe I liked or did not like. And, you know, it, it was all game. It was game. It was major league baseball to me.
1: Well, you bring, you brought up, you brought up a great point. And uh, as a fellow second baseman, I, not that I'm upset, not that, you know, I say, I take it personal. But I kind of do with the new rules for the second base, because as you know, Lou, we're, we're out at second base and compared to the shortstop, we talked earlier about that shortstop position and, and how it's you, you catch it, you get rid of it and it's pop up. It's a, it's a close play at first base. You got to be perfect with your footwork, everything at second base. We didn't make our money by that routine ground ball. That routine ground ball, kind of easy for us. Where we made our money was around the back and turning that big double play. When Hal McRae's bearing down on you, when Kirk Gibson's bearing down on you, that to me is what separated the average second baseman from the great second baseman, the the good second baseman from the Gold Glove second baseman. How do you turn that? double play with your back to the runner when the game's on the line. Nowadays, because they've taken out, you have to slide directly in the bag. You can't take out the runner. Anybody can turn a double play. You got third baseman's over there, turn a double play, probably the first baseman's can turn a double play when in our generation, that's our, that's our money. That's what we got paid for. That's where we were recognized as, as, Staying great, in there. <laughs> great second baseman. So I kind of take it personal. Like, man, that was the whole game. The, the great ones were the one that could turn that big double play. That's how I think. What What are your thoughts on?
2: Well, you know, I've, I've watched some games where, you know, uh, guys trying to, you know, take that second baseman out. You know what I mean? To keep the inning going, so to speak, you know? And they review it and call the person out. And I said, oh, come on, come on, come on. That's part of the game. You know what I mean? Now, being part of the game mean don't mean doing some of the things, you know, that, you know, maybe we uh, see, maybe we, we, we keep going where Hal Hal McCray did to uh, Willie Randolph back in 78 or so, you know, pop up, slide, pop up. Or, matter of fact, he didn't even slide. He just I would say that was a cross-body block. Well, see, that's that's the whole thing. You know, cross body blocks. This is not kung fu.
1: No, no. You know, and and, and you also you also talked about
2: no. Hal was halfway down. Hal, Hal, Hal never slid. Hal, Hal got to the base. You know, I mean, I saw it. So, uh, no, that was that that wasn't good at all. I don't I like that. Not not one bit. The only person I really fear like Bo Jackson. And Bo got on base. I was like, oh my goodness. He sounded he to? sounded different,
1: didn't he? <laughs> Who Bo? He sounded different when he, he'd be he keep running towards you. It, it sounded like a different, like it wasn't a human being, like something that's never been running at me like that before.
2: Yeah, yeah, man, Bo could run, Bo could run, and Bo had power, you know what I mean? But uh You know, I would stay. But, you know, I mean, I would what I would do is I would, you know, I wouldn't give him let him know what I'm going to do. You know, I mean, I get there. You may think I'm going to do this and I might just step behind the base. You know, and that's what I would normally do with Bo because anything in front of base, you know, it's almost like a a giveaway. (laughs) You know, you're free out there. So if I had to change that, my third baseman shortstop led me. Oh, man. Oh man, that's like a tractor trailer running to a Volkswagen or something like that. You know, Bo, you know, but you know, Bo didn't play play like that. Bo was pretty cool. You know, maybe some other teams and, you know, they you know how teams get in that uh, you know, don't like each other and then they make, you know, they 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 they, they got this uh this thought in their mind that we're gonna get somebody here. Well, I mean, I I didn't play like that. Uh my teammates didn't play like that. You know, there was a time or two when others did that, maybe to one of us. So they were going to get back. So, but, you know, Tram and I, we, we, you know, I mean, for, for, for 17, 19 years together uh, we pretty much never uh, had a bad feed to one another, where we left somebody out there, and we may have had some close calls or whatever, and that's because the guy was already running. You know what I mean? Ball deep in the hole, and you're still gonna, you know, try to make that double, turn that double play. And you know, we 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 turned some double plays where, you know, hey, we we hung in there, but they were big double plays. And uh but you know, uh, that that was the game then. The game is different now, and. And, and and we can understand, you know, with these guys making the kind of money in all the sports, they try to protect these guys because, you know, what's good, you know, with all of that, and they can't get out there on the field, you know, they they have problems enough just trying to get out there and and, and play the game every day. So, you know, I, I, you know, yes, I, I I might have my personal opinion about things because of being there, seeing it, done it. But I try not to be overly critical. You know, that's, you know, I mean, you know, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's just hard to uh, 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 put in words. Uh, just just let the guys play their game. It's it's a lot of things they do today. You look at the swings, how close they are on their plate. Big guys and, and up on the dish, you know, they can hit a fastball two inches outside and pull it. You know, back in our day, uh, you pitchers see you crowding or get, don't not trying to give them anything. They're coming up and in. And see today, th- there's no such thing as up and in, knocking somebody down. Uh, there would be a whole lot of people being drugged off on the field today. You know, uh, because of their their swing. You know what I mean? They're like over swinging. You know, and, and when I say over swinging, we had a Frank Tanana. And Frank, you know, Frank could get it up there. And even though he had that surgery, they say he and Nolan Ryan coming back to back. Which one would you rather face? They say they would rather face Nolan Ryan. And, you know, nobody wants to see Nolan Ryan. So that's how good Frank Tanana was before he hurt his arm. And everything Frank Tanana throws. I played catch with him a time or two, and I hate playing catch with Frank Tanana. Everything he throws moves. And I mean, Frank could make it dance in or out. Then a left-handed pitcher—I've seen him right-handed hitters jump off the plate, and the ball tail right back over. I was like, "Oh my goodness, what a pit!" But he was good at that. And but if he's Frank Frank is a—he was a, a three-time athlete up there in Michigan in his day, and uh, he was good in all of. them. And com- competitive, and uh, <laughs> if you, Frank, thought you were just a little bit like, you know, I mean, that's a pitcher, you know what I mean? And these guys are swinging and spinning around in circles, you know what I mean? Hacking like uh, they just know the Ryan would do the same thing. But Bob Gibson, uh, these guys would knock you down, brush you back. And I'm talking about up, up top, in, in, around, you know, I mean, that's it's just a and thing about it. They brush it back, they that wasn't gonna hit you. That's how good they were in a, uh, locating a pitch. Frank could throw up and in on you, but it was gonna it's gonna miss you, but you're gonna feel the breeze go by. You know, so uh when I look at the hitters today, all of them standing on top of the plate and look at them raise their leg and, and swing like they're getting ready to hit it, not out of the park, but out of the state.
1: <laughs> you see the
2: swings, these guys, do. And I was like, oh, my goodness. But, see, they can do that today because they don't pitch up and in and you can't retaliate. You see what I mean? So, it's a huge game. I wonder what game been like if that was back when.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't imagine it, 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 but you know, as we were talking before, before the interview started, you know, each generation is their own and, and it's, Yeah. yeah, I always say, uh, you know, we can always learn from the kids today, and I and I truly believe that I I, I can learn from my father's generation, and and I can learn from the modern crop of uh, kids that are coming up. And there's good in every. You know, our generation, we're always going to be uh, a little bit partisan too, thinking, "Well, oh, our generation."
2: Very talented. I'm. I'm not yeah, they, no, they no, no, no. I'm talented. not saying that.
1: I I, I just yeah. you know I think I'm with you in a lot of the ways. You know, it's not the way we played, so we have a tough time, mm-hmm. especially when we first see it. Like, oh, that's not what I would have done or that's not how we played the game. But I think our talk before the interview about, hey, these kids today, you got We've got to be open-minded. We got to be able to see see their way of playing. History will always judge us individually uh, about our individual generation and how we played the game. History will do that for us. We don't need to do it. It's a game of baseball, and and uh, that's that's just kind of the the take yeah, but, I I try to take on it. And I think you yeah. do too. It's yeah, let the kids, so. yeah, let the kids play. But but that's not how we would have done it. You know, I, I see some things today and I'm sure you do where I go. I or just guess. imagine back
2: in the day, you know, way back in the nineteen hundred when, when guys uh uh, uh, you know, uh, pitch nine innings and they gave up probably 40 hits, you know, throwing a uh, uh, you know, right there in the middle, you know, I mean? right exactly. You know? It's like, oh, got- n-
1: nine <laughs> innings off the same guy every time, sweet,
2: yeah, yeah, oh, you know, he could, you know, I mean, but uh, you know, and, and and just things just got you know a little bit better. Uh, managers learn how to uh, manage this situation, like they say, man. If I ever manage, if if I get this guy up, I'm going to bring in another guy to pitch. You know what I mean? So now you got got uh, bullpen pitchers coming in. Uh, I remember, uh, even in my day, uh, if they had a starter, second inning, in trouble, bases loaded, I remember days when Tony LaRusso would go and take his starter out the ball game. I'm like, wait a minute, holy, you taking this guy out the ball? Ball game already, but he knew the game was going to be win and loss right there. So he would go to the bench and say, uh, go to the bullpen and say, Honeycut, come here. Get Whitaker out right here. And, you know, Honeycutt always made me look bad, you know, with them side home sliders It had long breaking ball, big old breaking ball. But that was the ball game right there because whoever stayed in right then, right there, uh, this man is getting ready to get beat and, and, you know, your game is all right here, so, you know, where they went and got, but I would look down the line and say, hey, we don't have to worry about this pitcher anymore, so we'll get down to eighth and ninth so what they got. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so was, you know, lefty on the heel, say, right hand up, say, get a base hit, get a base hit, knock this guy out. Because, see, now if this guy knocks it out, see, now, uh-oh, we'll get a ninth inning table is set, we get in position, I'm all good, you know. So I'm, I'm looking down the road and, 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 and as the game is progressing. Because uh, hit, you know, you win games in the first inning and lose games in the first inning. You know that? I've seen where guys don't get the man in from third base in the first inning, the game goes 0-0 in the ninth, get beat.
1: Yep, runner, runner on third, lesson two.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, just you know, anywhere in that game, in that game, in, during the game, you can, you can, there could be a change, you know, like an error, you know, just turn everything around. Like, man, one error can change the whole momentum of the game. One hit can change the momentum of the game. So. uh that's, that's, that's what I always just played the game and looked for because there's so many times, Park even asked me a question one time, and I tried to be humble about it. I, you know, I didn't want he to ask me a question about, like, Lou, you know, when you do this and that. I said, well, if the other guy ahead of me you know, got a base hit, you know, I wouldn't have to be in a situation where I'm getting the game winning hit. And maybe he took that wrong because, you know, in any athlete, they always say, I want to be there in that moment. You know, I want to be the one to get that big hit. Well, I didn't have to ask to be there. I mean, over my career in baseball, it somehow got to that point. I mean, just game-winning hits, big double plays. You know, just I mean that's. I mean that's how. I mean, you know, I just and but. You know, I, I always try to be humble. The only people people I used to talk smack with a little bit my sister Till, when she 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 thinks she was better athlete than me. And right now, if she was around, she'd say, "Yeah, I'm a better athlete than this turkey." Yeah, he ain't no You, know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know that she was like competition growing up. You know, my youngest, one of my younger sisters, and uh, she had m- as many trophies as I did. And but she, I mean, she could just, <laughs> I mean, she, may, oh, man, we could go to any ballpark, Yankee Stadium, wherever my sister say, that's my brother. You know, it'd be talking smack, all of these people. And you know what? They don't say nothing to her because she knew, they knew this girl crazy. She is funny, but she knew it was a humor. But that's that's her thing. That's her makeup. And uh, she'd go everywhere, just uh, just have fun. And, I mean, she'd be loud. It didn't matter. That's my brother. And uh, she, she
1: had your back. She had your back.
2: I mean, I, it, it, it's, it, it's great just thinking about it. Yeah, I got a few people listening on the pod. I called my nephew, Jeffrey Whitaker, say hello to Jeff and his four boys and wife, Tish. How y'all doing? Irvin, and I'm sure I got a lot of other fans out there. Appreciate y'all listening in today. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope uh, y'all have a wonderful day. So you can go on. That don't
1: mean I'm I'm closing up with you. uh, No, 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 I'll let you get out of here with one more. I got one more you got a pretty big day coming up and I know it's been uh, because of what we've, what we've gone through the last couple of years uh, with the COVID. I know it's been pushed back, uh, but the, the Detroit Tigers are going to retire your number. Um, I've had a lot of guys on the show and, and you make the the hall of fame for your prospective teams, but getting that number retired is, is kind of a, a little one better. It's one short of, of getting a statue out front. And, and like I tell my buddies at, that have statues, not too many people get statues, So you're getting your number retired. Number one, you're going to be up in the Raptors with, with tiger tram. Uh, that's a pretty special day. Ha, when you got the phone call, uh, how was that? It had to, had to be pretty awesome.
2: Uh, well, it's going to always be a, a, a special occasion. Awesome day. Thank you for the, uh, the Iliot family and all of Detroit tiger, the fans and the people that uh, you know, that have supported me and uh, I'm glad that they want to honor me on this special day. Brett, uh, yes, I mean, I've played at Tigers Stadium and I've seen K-Line and Cobb and Garinger, Greenberg and some of the other names, Horden, and all the names there now. I've been looking at my man Tram and Jack Morris here lately and you know, now they're going to have a day. So the thing about it, who knows, Uh, you know, how things are going to work out here. We've been dealing with, uh, as you mentioned, the COVID. Uh, hope everything works out uh, well so the fans can, and me also, we can all enjoy it and have a safe day. You know what I mean?
1: I do. Sweet Lou Whitaker, I want to say thank you. This has been a pleasure having you on the Boone podcast. And uh, what a great career. You got a big day coming up, getting getting the number retired. Congratulations on that. And what we do each and every Boone podcast at the end is we kick it back to the voice of the Boone
0: podcast, Dan Levy. All right, Brett, that's going to do it for the Brett Boone podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director and producer and the voice. On The Boom Podcast, EP Executive Producer, Rich Herrera. Digital content gets done by Liz Landry. Please share The Boom Podcast with neighbors and friends. Make sure you subscribe to The Boom Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about The Boom Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. To follow Brett Boone on social media, he is at TheBoone29. You can follow me on Base On Air, B-A-S-S On Air. And for all of us here on The Boom Podcast, I'm Dan Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Take care.